0: listening to Feminist Killjoys, PhD, and
1: our feminism, pop culture, and politics as discussed by two professional killjoys. I'm Rachel. And today we get to share our very special conversation with Dulce, the owner of Dulceria in Minneapolis. We talk with Dulce about self-care, running a business with an intention of inclusivity, veganism, and cultural traditions, and so, so much more. But first, Melody and I are going to chat about some stuff first. Mel, how are you? I'm good. I'm a little stressed Tis the season. It's a
0: high tide grading season. Mm-hmm. And do you ever get well, you could you do yoga a lot. So I don't know if this happens to you. But like, where you grade so much, or you're sitting in your desk so much that
1: your body hurts? My Yeah, I mean, I, I actually sadly don't do as much yoga as I teach and also do like other kinds of exercise. My yoga practice hasn't actually been like, as strong as I want it or as frequent rather as I want it to be. So my body's been hurting so badly the past couple of weeks.
0: I think my comment about the yoga also extends to exercise because I know, you know, if I have part of the what they say is like if your shoulders hurt a lot that you want to also strengthen them, you know, right. So I guess I just I don't move as much as you I could say. Yeah, pretty confidently. And I just hate it when it gets to that point. And some of it is because then I have to stop working, which right. is probably a good thing. But it's like, I need to keep grading, mm-hmm. but my arm wants to, like, fall off because of the mouse clicking. And, yeah. I don't know. It's like, for what do they say, first world problem? Yeah. Because there's migrant workers and manual laborers that right. do this constantly, and they're in chronic pain. So I say that with... Empathy right. to, for other workers, but it just but sucks. Surreal. It doesn't doesn't help when I have lots to do and my body's like, uh, actually no, mm-hmm. you're done.
1: Yeah, so. and I think like this high tide of grading season coincides with it getting really, really cold, especially here in Minneapolis. So it's also we're all hunching our shoulders. That's we're not point. walking as much, uh, probably outside. At least I know instead of going to the coffee shop that's a mile away, I walk to the coffee shop that's like two blocks away because it's so cold. So even even though i exercise every day i'm still not as active as i am when it's a little warmer it all piles on yeah i also as a more fun but body related story i took
0: my nephew to this place called eagle's nest it is a indoor playground and it is basically like if the mcdonald's playgrounds you know how they have all those like tunnels and slides and stuff hmm. If you like stacked like 10 of them next to each other and on top. So it's like a five story <laughs> wow. playground. But because my nephew is not even two years old yet, but he is a daredevil, he should have like no fear tattooed on his neck, basically. <laughs> I had to go with him because he would just do everything that the big kids are doing. And not because there's big kids around, but just because he's just like, yeah, that slide looks awesome, even though it's like way too big for me. So I had to follow him around in these little spaces. So that also didn't really help with my body. But it was, (laughs) it was like super fun. It's kind of a workout because I had to like support myself using my arms the whole time. But it was fun. Yes, yes. Cool. Uh, Yeah. So that's, that's me. How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm okay. We, I don't think we've talked since I got back. From the conference, no, we did a we did a an Instagram live where I briefly talked about the conference. So I went to National Women's Studies Association, saw a bunch of our friends from grad school, saw some really amazing speakers. Primarily, I was trying to focus on what going to panels with sort of more activist centered folks than um, academic folks, since I have some complicated feelings about the academy right now, since I don't really feel super a part of it. But it was really it was a really really good weekend. I met. Listener Matt Harris. Met a bunch of great people, including people that I met, that we've met through FKJ, and it was really delightful. Alexia and Matt saw a friend of the show LaCrista. So that was really great. Things have been going pretty well for me. I've been getting, like, lots of good news about some creative projects that I'm working on. I'll share share more details about that, but I just launched an Indiegogo for a zine um, that I'm making with my incarcerated pen pal, uh, and I'm excited about that. I don't want to take up too much time with this check-in, but it's just things are things feel pretty good. I'm going to Cleveland tomorrow. And uh, I'm excited to see my mom.
0: I'm going to backtrack you. So you have a you said all that stuff so fast, but there is a <laughs> tarot fundraiser that can you explain more about that if people want to know more?
1: Yes. So I've been writing a person who goes by the name crazy boy, uh, who's he's incarcerated in Kentucky. And we've been writing for a couple years now. And we just realized that we were both witches and into the tarot and he's queer and black and a pagan and incarcerated so he has a very sort of unique perspective and interpretation on on the tarot so i started sending him images of the major arcana which are the first 22 uh, cards of a tarot deck and he would write back to me with sort of his his stories interpretations of them so we're turning all of that writing into a zine And I'm doing a fundraiser to get him money for his labor that he's already done on it. I have a residency at the future, which I mentioned, and I'm trying to fund that eight day um, labor process. And then also money, of course, for supplies that it'll take to to create the zine. So there's an Indiegogo um, fundraiser happening. I didn't want to put it on our page right now on our Instagram page because we're we're doing a fun. We're doing a different fundraiser. But after November, I'll put I'll link I'll put a link to it on our fkj page but if you want to find it before that you can look on any of my social media my my instagram or, or anywhere else you want to find me and there's links all over to it so it's the prison arcana tarot zine if you can also just google that so i'm really excited about it he's really excited about it he's gone through really 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 horrible shit he gets discriminated of uh, as you know I mean, he gets treated like shit because he's in prison, but he's had specific instances of um, not only racial violence, but also violence based on his sexuality and also his his spiritual beliefs. So I think it'll be really powerful to have something that's the intersection of all of those things actually feel good. So we're we're trying to get it to people who are interested in either tarot and or sort of prison abolition or prison, you know, sort of thinking about prison. And we're trying to get it to inc- other incarcerated people who might be interested in, in reading it too. So we're trying to raise money to get all of those made and sent. That sounds awesome.
0: You already mentioned this, but
1: again, if people want to know more about it, where should they go? We'll put it in the show notes. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. You can find the link on my Instagram, which is Rebel Rachel with two R's instead of IR. And uh, you can search Indiegogo or just Google uh, the Prison Arcana Tarot Zine. Those are some ways to find it. Cool. Mm -hmm. I'll put it in the newsletter this week too.
0: Excellent. Before we move on any further, I just had a couple show-related announcements. One, we're on Spotify. Woo! -woo. Welcome to two (laughs) thousand eighteen. FKJ. So you can just search for us on Spotify and follow us there. A lot of our favorite podcasts are also on there, such as Gender Reveal. So join up with us and then follow some of your other favorite podcasts on Spotify if you'd like. This is not a paid promotion by Spotify in any regard. Just letting you know that we're on that platform. And also, I wanted to check in again about the fun drive that we are doing. Woo. So whoop, whoop, whoop. Can you do the club noise? Bow, bow, bow. So good. Thank you. <laughs> We are sold out of the radical grab bag and the witchy grab bag. So those are no longer offerings for you all. And thank you so much to those of you who donated and grabbed those grab bags before they sold out. We still have our $1 a month, gets you a sticker sent, which I'm going to be ordering some more stickers because we're sold out of stickers now, sold out of stickers now. And also the benefits that are still available include the sea salt soak self care package, the bookish killjoy package, which I'm going to as a sale especially cuz we sold out of the other ones. I'm going to lower the bookish killjoy option down $1 so you all can check that out for $3 instead of $4 a month. And then the poster that we that we have that was designed by Jones is available. Yeah. Oh, the drawings. The drawings oh, right, that, I, right, right. Yes. that I make. You can also you can also do that. So and if you became a patron this month because of the fun drive, just be patient with us. I we have your information. We see you. We're gonna wait till the fun drive is over. We're gonna have a mail day. Rachel doesn't even know this, I'm telling her right now. <laughs> where I go over to her house or she comes over to my house and then we, we package everything up and we send it all out at basically the same time. So just just hold your horses. But if you need anything urgently, please let us know. But we will get that done once the fund. Drive is over. And then, for the patrons that have been longtime patrons, if you are interested in having your name drawn for a goodie, please make sure that your address is on our patron site. You can add it in your account settings. And then, um, if you have an address, we'll put you in the drawing for some of the goodies that we have set aside that will be offered to you as well. And we will do that drawing during next episode so that'll be out in two weeks and then those will get shipped off to you as well
1: yay it's been really fun and we're so grateful for people who have already donated um i would like to give some of those people shout outs so thank you flora lauren elena nico some of those people upped their donations which is really cool a group called marks in the mountains that's on patreon that is now supporting us which is rad francine Oh, I think I think maybe we cut. I think maybe we've hit our. Those are the new people during, since the the fun drive, and then we got a couple uh, PayPal donations too. Apologies for not reading those right now. Yay! Why are you apologizing for that because people maybe would want to hear their name. That's true.
0: People would also love to hear you clicking on your. I'm sorry. <laughs> the podcast bingo. We would have one mark there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a uh, your part. So Logan Rachel's partner sent us a. Image of podcast bingo, which you play while listening to podcasts, and one of them it's just all the annoying thing that podcasters do, such as click on their keyboard <laughs> while recording what was another one? Uh, he didn't send that to me. This is news to me. no, yes, he did in a shared message, but you don't get it because it's like he sent it to to your regular phone number and not your alternate oh weird, yeah, no, I didn't get it. Squarespace ad mm-hmm, just two friends talking about pop culture. <laughs> Plucky banjo music. Mm. Totally inappropriate music. Oh, episode longer than sixty minutes. Quote: This is on the pod.
1: Unquote. <laughs> and more. LOL. I would say the show. See, we note, don't do a lot of. We these. don't do a lot of those. I would say we say we we'll put it in the show notes. That's like a big phrase. Put in the Oh show yeah, notes. that's that's in here too. Fre- is friend of the show. No, that's a good one. Friend of the show. Great. See you. See you next time. Even though no one is seeing anyone. <laughs> Moving on. So we we also before we get into our amazing interview. Wait, did you already do You did your check in. You're stressed. Also, it's the week. This- we're way beyond the check in. We're like we past we're, that. We're I already at, did like announcements about the fun, fun drive. drive. <laughs> okay, I got it. I'm here. I'm with. I'm with it. I'm with it. It was just weird because we didn't talk about the horrible holiday that is about to happen this week. So I I was thrown off for a second, but. It is it is the week of Thanksgiving, which is, of course, really shitty that we celebrate white people killing entire communities of Native people. So that's just a side note. Um, um Rachel, that history is incorrect. They were really
0: thankful that we <laughs>
1: came to their
0: land and saved them.
1: Oof. And they, like, we made food together. Yikes. So... The newsletter this um, week is gonna be—it's gonna have a list of like places you could like give reparations if you're a white person um, slash a settler. So, yeah, we, we've—I I think we've talked more at length about Thanksgiving in past years. So we're gonna keep moving on, but this is the week that, that this episode's coming out, so feels important to mention that.
0: Also, shout out to people who have shitty families and you have to like mm-hmm. go deal with them mm-hmm. this week because sure. that's also
1: not fun for sure. Before we get to our interview, we had another thing we wanted to do, and that was... Uh, respond to a question that we received on the gram. We got this question and we thought it was worth talking about. We thought it was a good question. So I'm just going to read a part of it. So um, a sort of condensed version. This person wants to ask about the intersections of mental illness, white supremacy, and self-care. Through self-care, am I, this is a white woman um, writing, through self-care, am I centering my own whiteness more than the horrors of racial oppression? Is self-care as a white woman an act that reinforces white supremacy? Melody, what do you think?
0: My first reaction that my brain went to is that makes a lot of sense because I was thinking about the Black Lives Matter movement and how if you're doing a lot of activism work around that, for example, that it doesn't really matter how burned out I get as a white lady. That's the least I could do after centuries of disenfranchisement of black people. So I really feel that connection like I get that that link between me wanting to take care of myself even though my body as a white lady has been taken care of so well for all of time that's not so true being a woman Um, but definitely being a white person Mm -hmm. I've gotten a lot more privilege than other other people slash both and Uh, I know that that line of thinking that I just said is something that I have thought and that it is really detrimental to continuing on with activism because if I don't slow down and stop and like eat food and like take some deep breaths, I burn out and then I'm just a waste to everybody. So that's my initial thoughts. What are your initial thoughts, Rachel? We haven't even actually like talked about this, even though we both knew the question existed. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's very, I'm going to sound a little bit like a or like a pull my string, and I say the same thing. I think when capitalism, (laughs) it's all under capitalism. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. But more so, I was going to say that, you know, individual choices are feeding into neoliberal notions that you can sort of create change or, or subvert systems through your own individual actions. So that's my sort of first reaction is that, what we do for our self-care, whether we practice self-care or we don't practice self-care, that ultimately isn't about sort of building power to dismantle white supremacy. And so that's my that's my first thought. But second, I mean, I think, Mel, I, I, I agree with you that if you have incredibly burnt out, deeply uncared for white people, that's going to create just hella more problems because we won't be Effective allies slash accomplices in the project of dismantling white supremacy. I also think that it's tough to get into these sort of hierarchy of oppressions. And I'm not trying to say that like we shouldn't focus very specifically on the way that people are oppressed and harmed and violenced under white supremacy specifically. But I think if we get into these sort of blanket sweeping statements of like white people shouldn't practice self care because you know, that's feeding into, you know, maintaining white supremacy. It also obviously ignores, you're talking about mental illness, right? And so that is also when we live in a society that is neuronormative, that's also a form of oppression that you writer or the general you might experience if you suffer um, or or endure, live with, thrive with, whatever it may be, mental, mental illness. You know, it's really tough to say, when you start to make these sort of hierarchy of oppressions, oppression Olympics, when it's like, well, if you're mentally ill and poor, and but you're cis and white, then you don't get to practice self-care. But if you're mentally ill and poor and trans and white, then you do get to practice self-care. Like, it, it just becomes this very, again, sort of like neoliberal response to what is ultimately a question that's un, unlinked to subverting oppression, in my opinion, other than you're going to be a better accomplice if you're taking care of yourself can i add a few things
0: yeah um so as the Marxist in training over here, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about capitalism around self-care. And I wonder if some of the question, and maybe I'm off by this, but I still think it's important to bring up, is how whiteness is centered in the self-care industry Mm -hmm. in our our country especially. So when we think about self-care, we think about like meditation and yoga and going to the spa and taking baths with like really fancy salts that are sold in white people places, you know? And so like there is a lot of whiteness surrounding self-care as an industry. But I think another thing to remind ourselves, especially us white people, white people, is that just because we don't see... Other people doing self-care the way that we do doesn't mean that self-care isn't happening. So there's lots of different cultures in our country, and there's lots of different ways to do self-care. And so just because we don't see a diversity of people doing spa treatments or or whatnot doesn't mean that they aren't also doing self-care. Because I think the self-care industry has made it seem to be very like a white person activity, and that's just creating a false sense of who is practicing self-care, because Self-care can be practiced by all people. At the same time, because of capitalism, there are a lot of people that cannot practice self-care at the same rate as privileged white people because they are working three jobs or taking care of kids on their own, you know, and the list goes on. So that is also like a real thing. At the same time, though, if that is something that you are concerned with, that there isn't the same access to self-care, that you could also work with people to bring self-care to a larger group of people. So I know that includes like getting yoga in the schools at like marginalized, you know, public school systems Mm -hmm. or like you do yoga in the prison system or just making self-care practice more accessible in public and community spaces?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great response. And um, just to sort of expand on your point, which I think is a great point, that self-care looks different. It's also, as we know, and this is restating the thing that we've talked about on the show so many times, but, you know, meditation and, and yoga are not actually white people practices, right? So if we if we think about this globally, Snappy. people are, you know, brown people are, are practicing self-care, you know, they've been practicing self-care in, in particular ways. And, and including including right like the things that have been have been appropriated, whether it's yoga or meditation or even you know the self care of of sort of which quote unquote practices, which is just so broad and umbrella that that is often appropriating sort of native traditions of self care. And um, but ultimately, the thing about many indigenous philosophies, let's take this as an example: self care in a lot of indigenous communities, and in indigenous philosophy, and also in yoga philosophy. If you're practicing care in your body you are intrinsically practicing care for your community because we are all connected. I mean, that's a thing that's like a very, you know, it's it's been, again, sort of appropriated in cheesy ways, but that's like a very, very deep spiritual belief that a lot of non-Western traditions believe in. And so that if you're caring for yourself, you're also caring for the people around you. No, that's not an excuse to like go to yoga and not do anything else besides that. It's just to nuance this conversation of, what melody brought up like what self-care looks like what it means who's been doing it before us and how it gets how it gets packaged and sold but ultimately i think both of us are saying that it does not help for you not to do whatever version of self-care you want to do i would say don't give your money to places that you're not super stoked about i'm still working on that with my own relationship to the yoga studio i work at i mean i At some point, I need to like divest my ties to that to that company, which I only haven't done because it's been money that I need, which is not an excuse. But well, it's kind of an excuse under capitalism. So anyway, be mindful of how you're engaging, who you're who's getting money from you when you're practicing self-care. But I think both of us are saying keep doing it because and help, you know, as Melody said, help other people access it in, in that process. That was a great question, though. It was. Yeah.
0: I love reader. Wait, we have listeners. I love listener questions <laughs> mm-hmm. because everybody's just so intelligent and thoughtful and questions we get. It. I always have to like think
1: about them and just like ponder them for a while. And it- did you did you see the latest question that got some of the most attention we've ever gotten on an FB thread on our um, Facebook community group? No, because Facebook works with basically the devil. <laughs> yeah, and- I know. I know. Um, We're all going to die because of Facebook. But no, I haven't seen it. Uh, There's a great question about dudes, specifically cis dudes in this person's experience, who are grossed out by pubes and won't go down on people who have pubic hair, in this case, specifically women. And so there's this great thread about pubic hair and fuck dudes who are assholes and hair and all the things. I thought you would appreciate that as somebody who's attached to vaginal feminism or something. (laughs)
0: I like that description of me. Also, we need to stop recording so I can go respond to it now. (laughs) So you can get angry. (laughs) I had no idea. Uh, No, I just, that sounds like a great discussion that I would like to be a part of. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I'll just share my thoughts there. But great. I, uh, never mind. You sure? You're going to get grossed out by what I'm going to say. Oh,
1: no. (laughs) I could
0: probably handle it, but. Okay, let's try. Okay. Uh, Along the spirit of vaginal feminism. Which is not to be
1: confused with turf feminism.
0: No, 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 no. I, y'all know. (laughs) You know. Trans community I'm very supportive of. Just, okay, this is a comment about like men who get grossed out by women stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm very lucky to have a partner that does not get grossed out by it and is also like kind of intrigued by it. Uh But uh, this morning he went into the bathroom and he's like, well, that's a first. And I was like, what? What? Well, just stepped in some of your period blood. And I was like, <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Ugh. And then it just like went on. But like, I know that there's men out there that like would lose their minds yeah. if, if that happened. Like yeah. just would find it to be like the most disgusting vile thing. So I'm just so happy and grateful right. that my partner is the way that he is. Yeah. And I don't think I'd be with him if he wasn't. Totally. But like, oh, my gosh, you know. It's just the the tampon hiding, period shaming world is just, uh, it just makes me really mad. Yeah. So I'm
1: just, it just reminded me of like, oh,
0: yeah, there's people that um, just roll with the punches. Yeah. Also, sorry, if you're listening.
1: One, okay, Hold one on. more quick shout out before we get to our interview. Another person I met at NWSA is named Jax, and they are, basically, they're doing their research on men- menstruation education, and the way that menstruation is taught in schools, and they're making it. So they're trying to develop curriculum that is like trans inclusive of menstruation and talking about, you know, sort of hormone cycles, regardless of genitals and like all of these really amazing things. They're really, really cool. But Mel, you would be delighted to know that they were very strongly advocating that I give the cup another try. So we'll see your body, your choice. But yeah, I feel about it.
0: Yeah. Also,
1: I like I don't think I ever learned about menstruation in school. So that's amazing. Yeah, they're really they're doing really cool work. We should have them on the show sometime
0: yes yes
1: let's do it cool cool all right but only when our periods are synced up okay rachel <laughs> they were for a while i don't think they are mm-hmm. right now if you just had that you're experience not- today no yeah no oof i hope poor, poor i hope dulce who's gonna be listening to this is like okay with all that before her amazing interview um i think She's amazing. She's so, so amazing. She's so. Oh my gosh! I have like chills even just thinking about the morning we got to spend with her. Will you? Well, before we introduce her, can we just like gush a little bit about how special it was and how listeners, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna hear all about this. But but we had just it was well, the three of us plus her mom and her mom um, wasn't sitting in the interview with us, but she was there in this just lovely space. The the bakery was closed the day that we went, and she just invited us us, us in on the morning that you know Monday morning they do like all the sort of prep for the week. And we just had this beautiful conversation. Literally all three of us were, had tears in our eyes from just sort of talking about, largely a lot of it was reminding us of our friend Jesus, who we talk about on the show a lot. And I just really felt, this is, you know, hippy-dippy, witchy, whatever. I really felt like, Jesus' spirit in the in the bitch in the shop with us that he used to live right near there, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful conversation, and so just so special. Um, I don't know if you want to gush at all anymore before you introduce her.
0: I think that you summarized that really well, and I think we were. I don't. I mean, I don't. I only know Dulce through Dulceria, and it turned out that as you'll hear, she also worked in higher education. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know that about us really either. And the words that she was speaking like at the beginning have been like our lived experiences as well in higher education. So we're like, what is happening right now? Like, we're talking to you about a bakery. So we'll get there. But like just her conversation about her why she chose to open up the bakery was it just that that set the stage Completely. of us just like having this like really wonderful, wonderful conversation. So I hope the love and the connection and the hopefulness comes out in the interview. Uh, but just know that there was a lot of like very hippy dippy woo woo feelings going on. Mm-hmm. And if you do live anywhere near the twin cities, I like plea, like you have to go visit her bakery and buy things not because we're interviewing her, but because like I, her bakery, her It is so good. Like, Mm -hmm. I got my partner a cake. It's just so, so good. Like, the food is so good. And then also, she's just such a wonderful person that supporting her is, like, amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So That's my gushy-gush. Do you
1: want to tell the listeners about the shop?
0: Yeah, so Dulce is the owner of Dulceria Bakery, which is a local immigrant-owned bakery featuring modern Mexican pastries, including gluten-free and vegan options, baked fresh and in small batches every day, made with high-quality ingredient sourced locally and from Mexico. All of this is so true. Paired with organic and fair-trade coffee from Chiapas, Mexico, and... They also have horchata, vegan and non. Their pastries ease nostalgia while embracing new and inclusive expressions of Mexican cultura in Minnesota. And now for my addition to the bio. Remember when she was talking about, like, intersectional baking, like the concha cupcake? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what she means by the, like, modern Mexican pastries. She'll talk a little bit about that, but, like, she literally blends, like, American eye, American and Mexican pastries together mm-hmm. in one to, like, kind of represent the intersectional identities of people. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. What? What? It's amazing. She's the cool, I mean. She's so cool. Yeah. She's, like, so, so cool. Yeah. I, yeah. It's like if we were Broad City right now, we'd be smoking weed together (laughs) on the couch and like talking about how cool Dulce is
1: while eating one of her pies. It's true. It's true.
0: (laughs) And like you'd use a fork, but I wouldn't use a fork like I would just grab.
1: (gasps) Yeah. I mean, I do kind of look like Abby and you have the affect of. uh... I totally do. Alana. Alana, obviously. Yeah. I do. Yeah, it's true. Wow. We've never really. Talked We've never about talked that. about that. All right, take us take us there, Melody. I would love to just know the background, the story of how this opened. What's what's your background, and then what what came right before this, and what made you decide to do what is now the bakery.
2: Well, I moved to Minnesota 18 years ago um, to go to college. I earned a scholarship for community service to go to a private college here in Minneapolis. And I moved here. I knew nobody. I had $35 in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And I took on the adventure in a stride. And um, since then, I kind of, the story goes, you know, I met somebody, I had kids, and then I stayed. And life has been pretty good here. I worked at the same college where I graduated from at Oxford College, and I worked there for 13 years Mm -hmm. in different roles. I started as a front desk counter, answering questions about financial aid and how do I sign up for my class or can I change my schedule? And then I moved up on those 13 years to become the director for Latinx uh, and undocumented student programs Mm -hmm. and at a time in which uh, DACA became a reality or deferred action for child arrivals Mm -hmm. and for other youth that were not eligible for the program, uh, regardless of country of origin. And it was a job that I loved and I treasured and I love working with the students and I'm working with peers on how to make college systems inclusive and accessible, which in itself is really a challenge. And mm-hmm. it became a, a toll on my emotional and my mental health mm-hmm. and on my families because the level of needs of students versus the awareness of college Um, administrators Mm -hmm. and their willingness to provide support systems for them and for staff Mm -hmm. of color Uh, it's it's very the disparity is huge and so I had to make a choice between do I take care of my family and myself or do I continue to be there for my students and it was a sad decision but it was a right decision And that happened at the time when presidential elections in 2016 happened. And Mm. as Trump won the election, I was extremely disheartened and I get emotional. (laughs) Uh, I was disheartened. I was scared. Um, The rhetoric that continues to be anti-Muslim, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQIA, anti-black, anti-anything that's not um, privileged old white men mm -hmm. continue to increase and not having anybody to debrief these feelings with anymore. Mm-hmm. I realized that people were really aching to get together and movements like Women's March or, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter, Native Lives Matter, uh, were having this resurgence and this, like, like, propelling each other just to be together and be safe with each other. It's what led me to see what people are getting together. And in Mexican culture, when you're together and you take a of each other, is through food. So... Luceria really was born in a piece of paper where I wrote down a menu and I said, okay, friends, do you have enjoyed my Christmas cookies over here for free? This year, you can buy them if you want to. And exactly. <laughs> I was like, no more free from Los like, Latia doesn't give cakes for free anymore. So you're going to pay some money. And that money, some part of it is going to go to the Immigrant Law Center of Minnesota. And I called, we had these three tier boxes. And the mini was, kind. Of, this one is for minorities. And then we had like the big, you know, like the big pledge. And just saying, we need to come together. And I got a lot of orders from people that were getting together in the community just to sit down together with their neighbors and saying how can we be there for you what is our process if we see rates from ice coming into our community uh, what do we do if people come to our college or to our houses and somebody deports my parent or my child and so that really showed me that that food it nurtures your spirit mind and body and your community and so my husband uh, said, you know, you've always talked about having a bakery, about baking. I, I learned to bake here because I couldn't find the baked goods that I grew up with in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And and the bakeries on Lake Street, West Side is very regional. And so I so said, go for it. So I put together a website. I took pictures of pastries. And I started talking to my community just to decide and get input on what kind of place we wanted to be. And the goal was not a storefront. Mm-hmm. It was really just a journey where I kept learning from the community and the customers that were getting to us and started doing farmer's market. And 18 months later, we're at a store that we hope it's a safer space that's inclusive, um, not just in our promises to our customers or the public, but in our own policies and practices as a business.
0: Yeah. So something I noticed right away. So I ordered a cake for my partner for... (laughs) his birthday. And I noticed that, um, when I was, when I emailed you and I was using, uh, like gender neutral uses of like Guapo instead of like Guapo, like guapex and, yes. and that, or no And that yes. when you responded, you used the same mm-hmm. phrasing. And to you, although that's like common sense, I'm not used to people actually addressing my partner or my other friends in the way that I've phrased it. Yes. So why is that important to you? within this business? Because I think sometimes gender inclusivity is actually like, from a marketing standpoint, can actually be a a bad mark, which is horrible to say, but that like, you're cutting off a certain business Mm -hmm. slice, right? So can you talk a little bit more about why that is such an integral part of your communication at the bakery? Absolutely. I would say in one word is
2: intersectionality is that we as human beings, we are not just hold one identity we hold multiples and this is a debt of gratitude that I have towards students that I work with the students that would be queer and brown and undocumented or international students with a certain amount of privilege and they arrived and they were learning as part of their cultural adjustment into Minnesota culture or being in a place that is very LGBTQA friendly that inclusivity, really broadens up their mind, their spaces and their understanding of the community and that the America that they see in movies or that they expect to see when they come here is very different. I owe it to to fellow food vendors and entrepreneurs like Pico Witch, who are very intentional and assertive about using gender, uh, gender, gender neutral language and Because I have kids who are teenagers and go to school and come back and will debrief with me as to Mm -hmm. the experiences that they see some of their peers have because they are not addressed by the pronouns that they ask to be addressed by. Mm -hmm. And so what we have found is that when we're intentional about our language, the people that come here to Dulcería do not just because they know they will get great pastries but because we see them and we get them and we love them and we value them and it's as simple as learning language and it went from using the X because Spanish is such a gender based mm-hmm. language and I cut myself sometimes where I have mm-hmm. misgendered folks and I will reach out and say I want to apologize I noticed mm-hmm. that in the crazy and busyness of the day I misgendered you and I can imagine that that was hurtful And I would like to repair my trust with Mm -hmm. you. And how can I do that? Because Mm -hmm. it's different for each person how that that trust can be repaired. We do it here when I hear a staff that will say, hello, guys. And I will do it on the spot because I will not shame a staff either. Mm -hmm. We will talk together. And I don't have to do it myself. They hold each other accountable to say, hey, I heard that when the last group of customers came in, you used a gender Mm -hmm. word to address them. Let's remember one of the different things that we can use. Oh, yeah. Hello, everyone. Hello, friends. Hello, people. Like, there's many words that mm. we can use or how we describe products. And the same even goes from our menu. If you see our menu board, it has three letters. It has uh, G, F, T, and V. And so when we identify our products, we have something that is vegan, gluten-free, and traditional. Mm. Oh. Because what we learned to, again, being at a farmer's market is that one day we're selling... And one of the questions from one of us to a customer was, Oh, did you want normal or vegan? Mm-hmm. And I myself, I, and it could have been myself, and I just it just sat on my <laughs> mouth and it tasted really gross, right? <laughs> and it's like, This is, I'm, what I just said was that being vegan is being abnormal. Mm-hmm. That's what I just did. Mm-hmm. And so, how are we going to undo that? And so I said, what are words that make sense? I said, well, traditional. Traditional mm-hmm. Mexican pizzas mm-hmm. have a lot of dairy. Mm-hmm. But the other option is vegan. And those little things, I believe, make a difference because I don't, it's similar to what I say when people refer to immigrants. Are you illegal? It's like it, there's no illegal people. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the same transfers, I believe, to our identity as our gender or choice to be non-binary mm-hmm. or identify or our sexual expression or gender expression. And it also goes for our
1: diets and lifestyles and value-based choices. So that's really why. That's incredibly kind because the vegan community isn't always, there's a lot of whiteness and problematicness in the vegan community. So it's very nice of you to want to be inclusive <laughs> to, to vegans. I hope that they can learn from that. They largely, we, you know what I mean? like. Yeah.
0: And very demanding. Yeah. They can be very, we can be very demanding as a community. We think a lot, we
1: being within it. It's like, we don't want to associate ourselves sometimes with some of that. So it's great that you are kind to wanting to feel inclusive to us. That's right. Um, It's amazing. Yeah, so, so you, you've mentioned this idea of safer space. You've talked about, so we've talked about pronouns, language for really everybody. Earlier, before we started recording, we heard a little bit about making this ADA accessible, which it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so can you talk about like the structure of the building and why it's important to you to have people with different, perhaps, disabilities, physical disabilities, be able to be in the space?
2: Well, because, again, it's part of these things that we have been socialized to be aware of things that impact ourselves directly as like a one individual. Mm-hmm. Like this is me, these are my needs and certain the needs that need to be met. Mm-hmm. And again, through life and just have been in different spaces with folks in the community, I start thinking and noticing things that make it hard for people to get places. Um, and one thing that helped is that I'm actually hearing impaired mm-hmm. and I had a sudden loss of hearing and so I'm pretty practically deaf on my left ear. And that was an extremely painful process because even with family and friends, I found myself really isolated. People were really frustrated with myself. By the time that we, it took me about nine months to figure out that I was half deaf mm-hmm. by now. And so being having an invisible disability was really hard, but I found ways to advocate for myself and say, for example, here with a staff, I'll say, if I'm doing the dishes and you yell at me from front of the house, I will hurt nothing. So please mm-hmm. come and, and I give you consent to tap me on my shoulder or touch me mm-hmm. so that I can turn around and respond to your question. Or when I go out with friends, I will say, please sit in front of me or if you can sit to my right at a bar, then I can hear you. Otherwise, I'm mean, in this incredibly frustrating space that also makes you frustrated because you're not being heard or listened mm-hmm. to. And so... That made me think even more as to what are other disabilities. So when we're looking at the space, the space used to be a restaurant. It had 12 seats in a space that it's about 175 square feet. That doesn't let you get to the restaurant. And why would you Mm. not let somebody get safely and easily and conveniently to a restaurant? It's not just the law. It's basic human kindness. And so, again, if we're going to claim to be a space that is accessible, we made sure that the the ramp is there and it was already built to make sure that it was compliant and we found that it wasn't. So we're working with our contractor and inspector to remove bricks, to remove things, to make sure that the door was open and wide enough. Uh, We add our handrails to a restroom that were not placed within what the law requires. Uh, for accessibility here to the house, we've talked to a staff about does this let you move comfortably and safely? And for me, I know that I have to ask people, I have to place at my place in the kitchen where I can see folks. Mm-hmm. If not, I know that if there is an emergency, they won't be able to get my support. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a disgruntled or an aggressive customer, I need to be where I can see. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of these things that just have come. And because our customers have have made the request too to say, this would make it easy or easier for me to support your business yeah. and to be comfortable. And so we uh, have a little um, notebook where we write everything that both customers and staff are asking for. Mm. And we make assessments as to what we can do and improve. Yeah. And that's how really compliance and things with ADA two have been happening. Yeah.
0: And it's such an anomaly to hear a business yeah. owner say that because, yes. <laughs> you know, like on the totally different end of the spectrum, I was, texting caribou because caribou coffee they have single stall gendered bathrooms and you know it's so easy just to be like they're gender neutral like we'll just fix it but for some reason businesses are just so resistant to change Mm -hmm. and like those kind of requests aren't seen as something to be changed right away whereas like when you actually talk about it from a logistical standpoint Mm -hmm. it's not that difficult Mm -hmm. it isn't you know and so once you're an organizer behind the scenes and you understand all that stuff, mm-hmm. it gets extra frustrating because you're like, okay, if mm-hmm. I can do this, how can, how can, a, why is there a multi-billion dollar corporation on it? Who wants to change a do- sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. So it's a sign and yeah. it's the also for our staff
0: to coach your staff. on
2: if somebody about, asked about the restroom mm-hmm. that you also can say, we do have a gender neutral restroom and it's yeah. safe for you to go. Yeah. And for me, just look at, at news and read about all of this push against Trans-friendly bathrooms, for example, and mm-hmm. and parents whose excuse to not support a policy for gender-neutral bathrooms is that they are scared about the safety of their child. And I think you are suggesting that a trans person is going to hurt your child or is a sexual predator. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And have you? even sat back to consider what you're implying in your statement and to look at it the other way it's actually trans folks that are harassed Mm -hmm. and assaulted in restrooms Mm -hmm. and so why wouldn't you make those changes It's about protecting your community and the community that gives you their hard-earned money Mm -hmm. so you better do something that protects them and makes them welcome
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that the, you had an intentional choice choosing mm-hmm. this location. And there's a really rich history in South Minneapolis around the Latinx community. Mm-hmm. So could you speak to that? And also, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. talk, talk to us a little bit about the gentrification issues that have been mm-hmm. coming up in this area and why it's so important that you hold space here in this location? Yes, absolutely. So When we
2: started our business, again, it was a a way to build community and outlets for a number of folks. And as we got to the point where baking from my house was no longer viable (laughs) or or fair to my family anymore. And we're looking at places. We got offers for spaces in different locations. And to me, it was important to stay in a neighborhood. I live with my family 10 blocks from this Mm. storefront. And to me, that was huge because that creates employment within the community. It also leaves tax money for my community. And that will impact schools that are around. It will impact infrastructure. It impacts lights so that it's safer to be around at night. Um, There's a huge biking community. So that means that there's the money from my business that's going to the signations in transportation to make sure that there's bike lanes that are safer and bumpers so that cars are not running into bikers on this street. So there's many reasons why it was important for us to be in this community. And I think it's also because it reflects that when you live in the neighborhood where you also run your business, it makes it genuine to really take care and be part of the neighborhood. And I love this Mm -hmm. corner. I keep joking that it's becoming a little Mexico here, but um, this neighborhood, I know it's this kind of corner, magical corner where Standish, Erickson, Powderhorn, Corcoran and mm-hmm. Nokomis are right within like less than a mile ratio of each other. Mm-hmm. And so there's this very diverse community. There's a huge Latinx community that inhabits here on Cedar Avenue mm-hmm. or closer to Powderhorn Park, um, a neighborhood that is very residential with a lot of families too. Uh, an African-American community that is not really far away either from 42nd and 38th, very close to uh, Sabathan Community Center. There's just many things that are close: Phelps Park, Selby, mm-hmm. and these are all very community-based locations. And so it brings a lot of families like mine, too, that are multicultural, that are biracial, bicultural, bilingual, mm-hmm. and, again, hold that intersectionality. And so when we were looking at this space, we really felt at home. I said, this is a place that people can access easily. There's four bus stops. We are installing bike racks. Uh, people can get here walking in a bike, in a car. So again, accessibility to mm-hmm. is important in many ways if you don't have a vehicle, right? So how do we make it easier for folks in the community that might not have a vehicle to get here? Or for mm-hmm. employees themselves, we talk to them about, do you need a subsidy for a bus pass? Talk mm-hmm. to us about that. It connects mm-hmm. you to the light rail. So. It just has these many kind of things on our checklist that we're like, it's in the neighborhood we live, community oriented, and it's close to diverse folks and that have that identity. A lot of youth, Latinx youth in the neighborhood that I believe are even represented in some of our pastries, like our conchas. Uh, When I made our conchas in the shape of a cupcake, it was this thing of like, whoa, why are you doing that? Because I have kids that are Mexican-American and they can like a cupcake and they can like a concha and they don't have to choose one or the other. Mm. They don't have to choose to be very Mexican or Mm -hmm. very American. Mm -hmm. They are both. And we have to stop pushing people to choose one identity over Mm other. And that goes for, again, sexual identity, gender, orientation, Mm -hmm. expression. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have to choose. You can be all of those things Mm -hmm. and and that's the beauty of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so... That's what led us really to to choose this location. Gentrification has been an issue and we thought a lot about it because I have a very white husband and we have the comfort of him having a steady income so I could pursue this. It doesn't mean that it hasn't been hard to secure financing, Mm -hmm. uh, that it wasn't hard to secure this place. Uh, my husband got a much faster response than I did for inquiries about the space mm. uh, and for contract yeah. negotiations.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Uh,
2: so what we've seen is that here across the corner now, we have Hamburguesas El Gordo, which is also a woman of color, Latinx-owned business mm. that also offers amazing vegan tacos. Oh, did to know. The best vegan tacos I've ever yeah, had. have heard about, yeah. They are so, been so good. Yeah. I mean, it's hamburguesas, and they also have vegan burgers and vegan fries, but the tacos... Best vegan tacos hands down. Awesome. Um we also have groovies and then we have Funky Grits, which also is African American owned, just about eight blocks from us. So mm-hmm. I feel that there's a lot of businesses in the community that are now being owned by residents of color. And when we fight gentrification We bring a sense of pride not just to our community, as like the Latinx community or the African American community or the Ethiopian community. There's another Ethiopian restaurant here Mm -hmm. on Cedar and Terrier that offers amazing Ethiopian food, Mm -hmm. Ethiopian owned in the community. Is that you also create awareness and safer spaces Mm -hmm. for people to start learning? I feel it's a kind of soft diplomacy Mm -hmm. to coach people in understanding what. Multiculturalism really is, mm-hmm. and the beauty of it. And I love when there's kids from local high schools that stop here and they can speak Spanish with the person at the counter mm-hmm. because it just feels natural. And there's mm-hmm. no more questions asked. Mm-hmm. And to me, that communities we have Latinx folks driving all the way from Northfield, Chaska, Shakopee, mm-hmm. West Saint Paul, coming on the weekends primarily when it's not work, your traditional business hours that come because they find representation. Mm. And to me, that it's like a thousand times amazing. Or when I see families like mine who are, you know, if there's somebody else that's Latinx and they have a white partner and their kids are biracial and bilingual and that they can be here together without being looked at funny because either you have the exotic wife with brown eyes, for Mm. example, or you walk into a Latinx business with your white partner and people also give you a funny glare as mm-hmm. to why are you here. Mm. The fact that people know can come here and there's no judgment mm. Mm. that is that that tells me that things are going well. And even with our staff, our staff's identities, I, I won't speak for them, but I think that they have felt safe to be who they are. And we find that most of the folks that are applying for jobs and employment are uh, Latinx and share their intersectionalities mm-hmm. with us, and they say, "I've never been to a place where people actually address me by my by
1: pronoun." Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I love that. Yeah, I saw the on the job page for the like the application mm-hmm. to apply here. The, the questions you ask are just pronouns. What is a safer space? You know, all of these questions that you don't normally get on job applications, and what an indication for somebody who might be working in it. The anxiety that people have when they are either a minority race, gender, sexuality, any of the things that you feel about having to secure employment and not knowing what kind of environment it's going to be. Just how amazing. So, I mean, I just have chills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And having to hide a lot of that stuff too. Yeah, exactly. And knowing that like
0: when you start here, we don't don't have have to hide it. it. You don't have to hide anything about yourself. Yeah. Like think that you're going to get asked Weird questions. Right. Because you have a partner instead of a wife or a husband. Or-
1: right, right. Yeah.
2: And yeah. even
0: those terms, right? Like,
2: I recently yeah. had a customer who asked me if I was the owner and if I was married. And I just thought, what does that have to do with, <laughs> with anything that's happening here? Right. I mean, you can ask me maybe, like, what flour I use, which we get a lot of questions asked <laughs> about that, or it's your cocoa for trade. And, and we have, you know, our whole list of ingredients. Like, yeah, I can yeah. respond to those questions. But We have been also growing and being held accountable by our employees to say, as we finish our employee handbook, to say, well, what are the practices in place that you will use as an employer if somebody comes in and uses homophobic language Mm. or anti-immigrant language Mm -hmm. or or racial slurs? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that. Uh, How do we choose to contact the police department or not? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. we know that sometimes that only can escalate. Mm -hmm. Situations and then who is to blame, and so getting their feedback on what matters and what makes them feel and be safer is important. And we do have things where it's like to strikes you out. I mean, if you will not understand that as a peer, you need to use gender neutral language, or you cannot use racial slurs, or or that harassment also means asking folks. I know why there is this fascination with asking non binary faults about. Uh, their sexuality and and I find that that's very common in many places where Mm -hmm. I've worked and it's like we don't allow those questions here Mm -hmm. and so if you're that's Mm -hmm. harassment and you will be asked to leave and so and we will do the same with customers we will not hesitate to turn customers away because to me no money is worth the safety and well-being of my staff or of ourselves as owners be it financial emotional mental or physical Mm and so you know, if you choose yeah. not to give us your business because you can't, you know, say the Mexicans here, right. that's okay. Right. Or to refer somebody's like, oh, you know, you're in play, the one that's weird. It's like, no, yeah. Or, yeah. we don't do that.
0: Yeah. Right. Are those things that have happened here?
2: Yes. <laughs> I mean, some of them have happened here. And some of them I have seen happen in other venues and okay. not be addressed where yeah. I myself have been. The target of yeah. belligerent conversations or a lot of passive-aggressive discrimination, yeah. and watch folks be uncomfortable, and nobody has to stood up to mm. to say, you know, you need to leave to a customer to say, you know, you are making our other customers very uncomfortable, and we do not accept this. I'm wishing to leave. Where I have had to stood up and go to my manager and say, I I can see that you're overhearing this conversation and these comments, and you're doing nothing about it. Therefore, I'm gonna take my business somewhere else and wait for my review because. Mm-hmm it will bring this issue up, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's no amount of discount or free checks that you can give me at this point that will make amends for it. And so... My hope is that hearing also from other folks, we have asked them as to what have been your experiences as staff members in other places, and how can we change that, and how can you hold us accountable without fearing any re- any you know repercussions against or retaliation on the job because that's another piece, right? So, feel I want you to feel comfortable to tell me. To also, when you said this, this was really hurtful or this was really mm. uh, unacceptable, mm. and you need to make amends for that, and mm. I think
0: that's important. Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. Just Transformative justice work happening on a small scale, and again, just so rare to hear in a workplace.
0: And on top of that, you're even though you take risks in that way for like from traditional business owners, like you sell out of your stuff. Almost. Yes, <laughs> and you can't come in here. Like we came in right. here late one day, and yeah. like all the, I mean, we Everything still got was there was still stuff, but yeah. like yeah. most of it was gone. Yeah. you know what I mean. So right. it's not. I think people are afraid to take risks because they think that they're going to be ostracized or marginalized. But you have a very successful business. Yeah, well, it's it's you. It's it's communities
2: that come and support us and share mm-hmm. the same values. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. It's a value-based customer base mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we and we mean it. We really do. And if it ever feels disingenuous, I hope that somebody will admit will email me and give me the opportunity firsthand, right? To say, hey, I was at your store and I didn't have a good experience and this is the why. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, we're human beings and we have to unlearn all the things that we have been taught to say, yes, sir, no, ma'am. And so to, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. stop doing that takes work. And when you're tired and when you're exhausted or when you've had a rough day, we go back to the default settings, right? Mm-hmm. And so I yeah. do appreciate when somebody reaches out to say this was my experience and this was not good and then okay how can I make amends how can
1: I build mm-hmm. you know that trust again yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it's I think it's listening can Can you just tell like what's the favorite what's your favorite thing that you make and what's the biggest seller oh, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. oh <laughs> okay.
2: yeah so of the uh, my favorite thing that we make uh, are our conchas They are what started Dulcería and they are just such a representation again of intersectionality and they are just so fun and fluffy and delicious and (laughs) colorful and I feel that's very representative of Mexican culture. It's Mm. it's complex, it's multi-layered and it's beautiful Mm. and it's fragile and you need to take care of it. Mm. And our best sellers are um, Vitunar Conchas and these days are Vegan Empanadas. Uh, Mexican hand pies grandma's recipe Uh, they have become a huge hit and that was thanks to my mom pushing for like empanadas I was like no, mm -hmm. no empanadas (laughs) they're they're a lot of work and it turns out that they are simple they're Mm. delicious and they are also kind of like these little pockets of love
1: yeah Was that one of the recipes that happened to be vegan? Yeah, it happened to
0: be vegan. And again, uh, it comes all the way from Mexico. (laughs) Yeah, and we didn't get a chance to talk about the maternal lineage of your Mm. bakery, Mm -hmm. but... Do you wanna give a shout out to your mother or like
2: Yes, well I'll give a shout out to my Not aboli. because she's here. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: I looking mom.
1: But no, uh,
2: I don't have a huge family of bakers. My grandma baked pies. That's the one thing that she made. And my mom made cookies with us. Uh-huh. And I'm the one that has been baking the most, but mm. it's that they they have inspired me and they support me in this and they share recipes and, and tips and, and my mom works here with me at four in the morning almost mm. every day and so She's hearing it. And it's a huge shout out to all the amazing books, Heres,
0: who work here really hard. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Just as a last thing for listeners who are local, mm-hmm. um, can you explain kind of your online ordering thing and like coming into the store and sure. maybe for the holidays? Yeah.
2: So we're starting with our Thanksgiving orders uh, and then our holiday season will go through January, mm-hmm. actually, which is our uh, Dia de Reyes, so Three King's Day in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we have... Um, an ordering system where you can just come in the store and order whether it's pies, traditional or vegan or gluten-free, or your cookies for Christmas. And then your rosca de reyes in January will also offer it vegan and it's delicious. Uh, But really, you can just come into our store here at 1839 East 42nd Street in Minneapolis, or you can just go to com slash order. And there's a full menu. You send that email. We respond within 24 to 48 hours and it's done. Like it's just very easy. And then you pick, it,
1: you pick it up here? So yep. there's no delivery at this there's point? There's no delivery at okay. this
2: point. I used to run around all of Minneapolis delivering things, but right now That's you can't pick up things and we'll have extended hours for Thanksgiving. And also, super important, 10% of all sales of all holiday things from Thanksgiving through January are going to the Immigrant Law Center of Minnesota. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: You
1: must. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hi, we're back. I'm so glad everybody got to share what we got to share. Oh, what a beautiful interview. Mhm. Mhm. Shall we wrap up today's episode with reading, watching, listening? Yes. Reading,
0: watching, and listening.
1: The remix. Sexual. Hey,
0: hey. Yeah. <laughs> it's under my copyright, so I can totally remix my own song.
1: <laughs> what do what do you rwl and Rachel? Well, I'm about to start. This other way, if I if I told you what I was actually finishing reading, it would be the same as the last couple of weeks. So I'm about to start *Care Work: Dreaming Disability Justice* by Leah Lakshmi Piepzna-Samarasinha, uh, um who is a writer that I that I like a lot and whose activist work I really value, and I'm really excited to read it. So *Care Work* is on my on my docket watching um this weekend uh, my partner and our friend jason decided to not the jason you know not our photographer but a different jason we decided we were just getting nostalgic about 90s movies that featured lesbians so we watched boys on the side have you ever seen it is that the one with drew barrymore Mm -hmm. yeah i have seen that one yeah it's one of my i'm really bad you're really bad with remembering titles no 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 queer world Mm
0: mm-hmm you all would talk a lot about like lesbian movies. Yeah. And I'm just I just like don't watch a lot of movies and right. so I'd always feel like, Oh my god, I don't know these. Right, right. <laughs> so, so yes, I do know that one. Yeah. And so I'm just bad with movies and it I I just miss that cultural
1: connection with people sometimes. So. Yeah, that's okay. We all have that. I can't talk about sports. I think that's fine. Okay. <laughs> you're you're okay. But you can one. talk about like women's basketball, which is cool. That's true. That's true. How much time do you have? Oh, not today? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, Boys on the Side is great. Super fucking 90s, super fucking gay and empowering. And uh, although there's a there's a cop we're supposed to like, which is unfortunate. But anyway, and then listening to... My partner and I got a celebratory drink for something that I'll talk about another week. And... Uh, we got to a bar that was playing carol king on vinyl and i fucking love carol king i grew up on carol king and so i'll say carol king because she's the best
0: what am i listening (laughs) rwling i'll let you know i'm i'm reading winter part of the lunar chronicles and it's a young adult series and it it features the likeness of disney princesses so winter is snow white and they all come together but they're all empowered and like super awesome like cyborgy magical creatures and they basically f- solve all the problems in the world as women do so i love that series and i love young adult fiction I'm watching a bunch of rad music videos because my students wrote representational analysis papers and it's such a selfish assignment for me mm-hmm. because I encourage them to do music videos and then I find all these amazing videos. So one of them that I was really into, it's so sad, is um, it's called Borders by,
1: M- M- by MIA. Oh, I and mean, that video is so intense.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of intense videos that my students have found. Another one is I'm Not Racist by Join... Join- join us white lady rippity rapping rap, and i'm just gonna let that one stay because that's that's all i know and there the pink the pink video for what about us you should watch it it is so cool i remember texting you texting me about that i'll check it out oh my god it is so cool so like i've been on a really good music video watching binge and also grading papers mm. i am listening to pop Mexican music uh, because my partner loves music from Mexico. So he basically put on the quint- like the our version of pop music, but in Mexico. And it's like so much better because beats are just a lot more interesting. And mm-hmm. this might be some like I-, I hope it doesn't sound cultural appropriative or exotifying. Or yeah but like the it has like a lot of salsa beats so it's like mm-hmm. more it's just fun to dance to it's kind of got like right. a sexiness to it right um and ag- again i really hope that i mean it's fine i'm a white lady but um it's just cool like because it's like fun music and i and it's actually because it's pop music those words are very simple yeah. so i'm like helps me with my spanish oh, great. Like, i know i know what he's saying he's saying i love you right and so right and i've just been dancing a lot while i've been refinishing my basement
1: that sounds good wonderful we have I guess I just want to say that we we're finishing up we have two more episodes in our series of Shop Local Month which is probably going to go into December and then we will be back with sort of like a more academic-y discussion episode and then it's going to be time for Best of 2018 if we want to do it Best and Worst of 2018 so we have some exciting things ahead we're kind of guarding our every other week episode um, plan but we're going to be back to that in the new year to save our, our time and labor. but We're so grateful you're all with us. We love you. We've been having so much fun with these interviews. And FKJ. Power.